let's stand up. Colossians 1, 9 through 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father, we pray in this moment. We pray a blessing in this moment. Father, we ask that our hearts and our minds are open and that Your Spirit may transform us more into Your image. It's in Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Be seated. So, this happened to me yesterday, actually, yesterday afternoon, but... Uh, as I was writing this this week, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but today I'm hoping what you hear is a good word. Uh, I hope you hear a good word for your life, that, that God is doing something, that, that hope in which the Colossians received, as Paul spoke of in verses 1 through 8, that, that hope of the gospel, that today you see that that gospel is actually doing something in you. There's an importance here, and in fact, we read these words as we read today, we see that we've been transferred from one kingdom to another kingdom. We're inside of a kingdom of redemption, no longer one of, of judgment. And so I hope today is a good word for you. And, and what else do I mean by that? Well, if you're like me, I have a tendency of speaking a lot of bad words to myself. And, and before you get all freaked out about what those words are, I'll, I'll go into it. But I have this idea of, I have a way of always speaking negative to me, and it happened to me yesterday as well. So, um, Isaac's not here, so I can say it out loud. Um, Isaac had a soccer game. I thought it was at five. Laurie's at work. That's a lot of pressure to put on me, folks. But I thought it was at five when I read the schedule. Laurie calls me at 4.30 and says, why isn't Isaac at a soccer game? And I said, it's at 5. She said, no, it's at 4. I said, no, it's at 5. Isaac is all dressed up, ready for his soccer game at 5. The soccer game was at 4. So then I had to tell Isaac, hey, buddy, we're not playing soccer today. In which if you ever had a 4-year-old kid or grandkid, what generally happens when you tell them they're not getting something they've been waiting for? Weeping and gnashing of teeth. And as Laurie's texting me, I mean, I'm texting her going, I am the worst father in the world. Like, my kid is on the ground, snot bubbles and all, crying. And, and she's the one who's like, you're an amazing dad. I'm like, no, worst dad ever. Nobody can beat what I just did. I have a tendency of doing, maybe you do this too, I have a tendency of doing that a lot when I make a mistake. Things, uh, you know, speaking these kind of non-truths to ourselves repeatedly. Uh, it, it's, it's these insecurities that we see and that we have, but nobody else sees in us. And it may sound something a little bit different. It may be something like, I can't believe I did that. I'm so stupid. I'm such a bad, like yesterday, mother or father. All I do is yell at my kids. Anybody ever thought about that in your life? 
You have a way of speaking this, this negative word to you, that, that you're not good enough, that, that you're not up to the, the level of expectation that, that you think everybody around you thinks you should be. And here's the thing, if somebody heard you say that out loud, they might say something different to you. So when I, I say, said it to Laurie, you know, she went on this, this, this uh, God bless her, of trying to tell me how great I am, right? But I just couldn't hear it, because I really messed up. I mean, it took my daughter finally saving me by letting him look at the phone before he finally, like, calmed down. And then about two hours later, he was like, Dad, I forgive you for my soccer game. I was like, thanks, buddy. But, I mean, that's what we do. We tell ourselves a certain story. And a lot of times, we're the ones who tell ourselves a bad story. And what we do is if we keep telling ourselves this, if we keep saying, I'm so stupid, or all I do is this, I'm such a bad person... We're not careful. We end up living into that story that we tell ourselves. And here's the thing about our text for today is that Paul is continuing his prayer. And you probably notice this in verse 9. He continues his prayer and says, Since the day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you. Like we, we just continually pray for you at all times. As, as Paul has heard about what's going on in Colossae, he is excited about the new things that are happening in the community of believers. The hope that they've held on to in that first part of the gospel in Jesus. That, that Paul is thankful for what, what is going on. But now Paul turns this, this word that he said in the first part into a prayer of encouragement to stay the course. Because I think Paul needed them to hear that there is a good word, that you can stay this course, that you are good enough. And, and that, you can, that you can do this, and you're not in it by yourself. Because you see, this good news that Paul talks about that they've received is calling them into a deeper knowledge, a deeper wisdom of, of knowing God and, and knowing what God wants in their life. The community uh, is called, as Ellen Davis said to this, that to living in a world in such a way that God and God's intentions for the world are acknowledged in all we do. And so they're being, they're being called into this movement of God through Christ to, to now see the world a different way, to have a, a different perspective on the world to a point in which Paul says in verse 10 that your life may your life be worthy of the Lord that pleases him in every way and that's the part I stopped at because that's heavy lead a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way Think about the bar that sets. That's not some low bar, Paul. This thing is high. How do we do that? How do we live that kind of life? A life that is worthy of the Lord, that pleases Him in every way. When I find every way, shape, and thing imaginable to not reach that bar on a daily basis. How, how are we supposed to do this, Paul, as, as a Colossian community? How are we supposed to live in a way in which pleases God in everything that we do? Because that's what Paul's calling him to in this moment. When we read that, that line of lead a life worthy, there's a, a better, uh, that's the translation we have in verse 10, but the Greek is a verb that says, uh, the Greek is verb which means to walk. So Paul is saying, you are now walking on a journey 
You, you, you were on one journey, as we'll see in, in verses 13 and 14. You were once a part of this kingdom, walking on this path, walking down this road. You kind of got used to how you're supposed to do it. And what Paul says is, you have now been picked up and tr- placed into a completely new path with completely new ways to live. And so you're now on a new journey. You're on a new walk of life. And it's a different type of life. And in fact, it will be distinctly shaped as we see throughout the rest of this book. It will be distinctly shaped as Jesus. And so Paul's hope and encouragement and prayer is that as the Colossians move deeper into getting to know Christ, that their community will look more like Jesus. That their lives would have a distinctive and noticeable difference to those around them. And as you think about all of that, the only thing that I could write in my notes is there's no easy task that Paul's calling us to. To be different than the world is no easy task. To live a life worthy of Jesus is is no easy task. And on this journey of faith, and I think that's what you need to hold on to, this first good word is it is a journey. It's not like a one and done moment, right? Because the one and done moments are the reasons why we do speak bad words to ourselves. Right? We think that, that that one mistake defines us, that one thing defines us, as if me uh, uh, not getting Isaac to a soccer game defines me as the worst dad in ever. Which is good for you, dads. You now are above me. But I mean, that's what it looks like, right? And instead, Paul frames it and says, No, this is a journey you're on. And, and we have to recognize that this journey of faith. In this journey of faith, we're going to run into speed bumps of life. Those moments when we're not quite perfect. We don't have all the right words to say to someone. We raise our voice at our children and our friends. Uh, We don't always help our neighbors in need. Um, And sometimes, finally, God, I just don't want to do it. And and that's what we run into. There's no doubt that this journey, this, this new walk that we're on, is not an easy one. It calls us into a life that sets a bar that seems next to impossible. It calls us to new things that we're not used to doing because, frankly, uh, the world tries to make it easy on us. The world tries to tell us how to do this. And it can be easy to think when when we get on this journey and we start this journey, and this is where Paul goes from chapter 10, I mean from verse 10. This is, it can be easy for us to think that, that we're all by ourselves, and so a lot of times when we think that we're all by ourselves, we, we, we do something very human. We start turning to other things, like to, to help us figure this out. We start looking in other directions. And as Paul is writing to the Colossians, he is combating any ideas that the Colossians might turn to. And we'll see in chapter 2 this idea of, that they might turn to new revelations and new philosophies uh, that, that would help them in their, in their walk. And um, what Paul is basically saying is, This journey, as much as you want to think about, is not about you. And it's okay to think that way. In fact, the good news is it's not about you. The good news is is you're not by yourself. And so when we struggle and fall, when we don't quite live up to this calling that Paul speaks to us about, we have a tendency of beating ourselves up. We have a tendency of saying a negative word about ourselves. We actually turn from that good word in which we heard, in which we put all of our hope to, in which we are baptized into. We find ways when we mess up to turn away from that and go to something else. Or maybe live into the narrative that we speak. 
But I love what Paul does here because Paul doesn't actually give any space for us to do that. He moves directly into verse 11 and says, get this. Get this about this journey that you're on. And, and, and Paul will emphatically say in verse 11, you are good enough. Uh, and whatever kind of negative word you're telling yourself or, or someone else is telling you is found wanting next to the good word of the gospel. The power of the gospel which is in you in which you heard and you now know the power of that gospel encourages you and propels you into a deeper life with God. And how can he say this? He says, get this. Being strengthened, so this journey that you're on, the strength that, that, that you get, the strength, wherever you're, where the strength comes from, Paul says in verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Did you hear where the strength comes from? Did you hear where the might comes from? Did you hear where the power comes from? Paul says, it is not by your power, it is not by your might, that's the journey that you were on, that was the path you were on in the world. The world has a way of saying, it's all up to you, you got to do it, it's all in your strength, you got to do it. Instead, Paul speaks another word and says, it is not by your power, and so you may want to turn to certain things, you may want to turn to political ideas or other cultural ideas or other religious ideas or wherever you want to find to for your power and Paul says all of those will be found wanting they will all tire you out and not strengthen you Paul says the only strength the power that saves you the good word that is in you is the power in verse 12 that has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the kingdom those who have been baptized into Jesus have a new strength, are on a new journey, but now this journey is not one in which you're left all by yourself. This journey, this strength that we now get, comes from the one who qualifies us. Or maybe in your version it says enables us. Or maybe in your version it says something else. But this idea that we have been qualified, we have been called, we have been enabled to go into this new kingdom. God didn't just take the Colossians and put them in a new kingdom and say, good luck, pal. God didn't take you or this community and say, well, I'm glad you believe that my son is, uh, my son is God. So good luck on this trip and I'll see you when you get to heaven. Paul actually says, it is God who did this. It was God's work in the world that did this. It was God's initiative in the world that did this. God did this because as we talked about in Bible class today, Michael, John 3, 16, God loves the world and it was God's idea to do this and God has not left you by yourself. We've been transferred from darkness to light. And this was not done by our own power. You were once living in dark ways, and Paul will say this again. You were once living in the dark ways, in which you tried to do it all by yourself, in which you find yourself worn out, in which you thought you could do it. And by the way, we still have friends doing this. The world has a way of telling us uh, these negative thoughts. The world has a way of telling us these negative stories about ourselves. You know friends right now who are going through it. All they can do is speak a negative word to themselves. All they, they, they're going down a path and a journey on their own and they keep tripping and falling and, and it's, there's no one to pick them up. And Paul says in this word that there is someone, there is a power that created all heaven and all earth 
who loves you so much, who wants to whisper a good word into your life and say, I can pick you up by my power and by my strength. Nothing you have to do. I can pick you up and I can put you on a new path. And that path may seem difficult, but you're not going to do it by yourself. Because I'm the one who's going to strengthen each step that you walk on. And this is this word that I think someone needs to hear. That the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the good news of the kingdom of God, that that is the power that works in you today. That God is the final word in your life. That God is writing the new story in your life and is continually being the author of your life. That you are good enough and you can do this you can lead the life worthy of the lord if you allow yourself and give yourself up to the one in which in the first few verses you heard and believed do you believe that god's power is the power to save you and is the power to strengthen you and is the power that will help you walk on your journey. When you go through moments of shame and struggle, Paul says, God's got your back. In fact, Paul goes further than that and says, uh, he, he talks about this idea and says, Paul, uh, he's got your back and not only that, he'll be working in you in every possible way. He'll be He'll be doing the things. He'll be rescuing you when you need to be rescued. He'll be transferring you when you need to be transferred. He'll be doing all those things that that you didn't think possible. Paul says, you have been rescued and will continually be rescued through life if you give yourself over to Jesus. Paul says, you can do this, and it's not going to be by yourself. And in fact, he says, if you do this, you're going to do a lot of cool things. You're going to bear fruit. Things are going to start bubbling up out of your life. And in fact, one writer says it this way, you will produce patience and endurance, virtues that are sometimes thought of as displaying an absence of power, but are needed for facing trials, opposition, suffering, and even ordinary day-to-day living. Paul says, to give yourself over to Christ, to be in this kingdom, to give yourself over to this power, is to know that God will have a way of changing your perspective of how you see the journey, and when you trip, and when you fall, They won't be things that define you. They'll be part of your life, but they will not be the definition of your life. And in fact, you'll see it differently. When you say, I can't, God says you can. When you say, I'm worthless, God says you are worthy. When you say, I am all by myself, God says, I'm right next to you. And as I was contemplating and reading about this sermon, the one thing that came to mind was a poem that we probably all know. It's Robert Frost. And in the last section of his poem, he says this. He says, I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverge in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Paul's calling us to, that we're going down a different road. If you made the decision to go down that road, the one less traveled, however you want to interpret this, It can make all the difference in life. It can give your life meaning. It can give your life purpose. It can give your life power. But as I read this line, and maybe it was the second line, here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, the road we take, the good news is we do not take it alone. 
It's been traveled by many in here. It's still being traveled by many in here. There are many of us who have far more years of life walking down this road uh, than I or you. And there are some in here who immediately will tell me, Russ, you think that's the worst thing you did as a dad. Wait till you hear my story. Why? Because there are others in here walking the road with you. Christ has changed your story. Christ has transferred and picked you up by his power onto a different road. And therefore, Christ speaks this word into your life today. And so there is no better word than this one today. That God is for you. And there may be some in here who don't realize or haven't come to that or have fallen and, and need to hear that someone is for them. There is, a me- there is a message, there is the creator who is for you today, who is not out to get you, who is not out to teach you a lesson, but instead wants to say, you are worthy, you are loved, come to me and I will transfer you to a new kingdom with new perspective where you see things in a different light. And by the way, you're not doing this by yourself. Your life has been set free. You've been rescued and enabled and secured. And as verse 14 tells us, you have been forgiven. You live in the forgiveness of sins. This inheritance that you now have received, this kingdom that you are now in, is one in which your sins never define you. But they are forgiven. And tell me that's not a good word for some of you today. Tell me you don't need to hear that you are forgiven. Tell me that you don't need to hear right now that you are loved. Tell me that there is not somebody who you know in your life who needs to hear this word today. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a co-worker who needs to hear and needs to see the witness in your life that you are loved, that you are forgiven, and that they are loved, and that they are forgiven if they follow Jesus, if they come in to this new light. And they can see that in your life today. The one who speaks it to you holds within him all the power of creation. So the next time you speak a negative word to yourself, next time you you say something, you know, you're stupid, you're dumb, look at me, I fell, I'm, I'm the worst dad in the world, whatever. Paul says in these first 14 verses, and he's going to say it starting in verse 15. That that negative story you tell yourself has been nailed to the cross. And that there's a new story living in you today. There's a new story living in you and is empowering you and is enabling you to go out and speak a new word to somebody today as well. So I wonder what word you need to hear today. What word you need to hear God speaking to you today. But I also wonder, there's someone in your life, what word do they need to hear from you today? Who needs to see your witness today that Jesus is in you? It ain't about you, but it's about the cross working in you. You've got a good word stored up. Paul says, you got it. Start walking and go use it. Because here's the thing in that last line of Frost's poem, that's the one that caught me. And it made all the difference. Christ has made the difference in many of our lives in here. He's transferred us from one kingdom to another. There's so many more out there who are looking for that difference. Who are looking to 
be loved. Not just in, as I said this morning, a rom, romantic comedy kind of love, but a true love where they are forgiven and they can do it and they can make it. And you've got that inside of you today. Some of us in here may not. Some of us in here may be struggling. Some of us in here may want to start the journey, and this is the place to start it. Some of us are maybe looking to transfer from one kingdom to the next and are ready to enter into the waters of baptism. We can do that today. There are people here who can help you and journey with you right now through that. I told you there are a lot of people here who have more years than I ever had and who understand this life better than I do. But if you're looking for that, come now as we stand and as we sing.